I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and have a fear of retirement. Welcome in again, everyone. A uh, little bit different tonight. We're at the Raging Cajun with Glenn Marks. And it's appropriate to talk to you, Glenn, in a restaurant because in the 11 years we've known each other, how many of our conversations have occurred in a restaurant? I just hope it's not a raging conversation. That's the <laughs> See what you did there? <laughs> yeah, it's the first time we've ever been here. This is nice. and and. Uh, just in case John Shaw's listening, yes, uh, we are. We're having boudin as an appetizer. We're having the etouffee, and we're having uh, jambalaya, gumbo, gumbo, and jambalaya. So this is truly a Cajun meal, and our drinks are in mason jars. So, man, can't beat it. All we need is some David Allen Coe, and <laughs> this this might be, this might be trouble. Yeah, that's it. So. Um, just to give everybody some context how we know each other, uh, you're the athletic director at Miracosta, and we work together in that capacity. You taught government psychology at Miracosta, and we knew each other in that capacity. Yep. And you were on the interview panel that hired me. Yeah, I... So you're I have to, to admit that, yeah. <laughs> but, but you don't know how I voted, though. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you, were, you were on the panel, and... and uh, and so I, I, I come into the interview, and what did I do when I came in? He wore a uh, appropriate Mustang-colored tie. Yes. Which took the, you know, the trouble to do that. He then walked around the room and made sure he looked everybody in the eyes and shook their hand and said, hello, I'm Ben Dale. Nice to meet you. And you like that kind of stuff. Because you looked in their eyes, and, and, and he was communicating with you. Yeah. And... He, and, and one of the reasons why I mistakenly voted for him was because he had a command of the room. And at a school like that, with a you know, strong union and staff and parents and everything else, you have to have a strong command of the room, but also have a little bit of class, which I thought he did. I thought he did, yeah. yeah. At the time. At the time. Yeah. And I remember, and I've told you this, one of my strategies, my interview strategies, was to take a quick... And there were like, what, 12, yeah. 15 people in there. And, he, and we had two different committee groups, one in each room. Yeah. And we had our group, and there was another group, and then we collaborated afterwards. But in your group, there's probably a dozen. Yeah, sure. Not less than a dozen, no. but a dozen or so. And so I, I took a quick snapshot, and how, whatever read I got on everybody, I wanted to get the opposite out of them. So if they looked really stern, I wanted to make them laugh. And if they were really smiley, I wanted to make them uh, look like I had either tugged on their heartstrings or I had uh, make them go, oh, that, and make them look pensive. Like I wanted to change the mood of everyone in the room because then I knew I got to them. And uh, oh, here's the boudin. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks. So uh, uh, you were very stern-faced <laughs> and, and those of you that have had Mr. Marks or worked with Mr. Marks you know the Mr. Marks stern face you had a stern face 
and I don't remember what answer was, but I knew I, I said something that was maybe a little bit funny, and you kind of did a, huh, like a chuckle. <laughs> there was no smile, but it was a, huh, like that. And I went, okay, check, got him, right? And so uh, we met there, and then as I started to move around campus, I started coming to your class. And I quickly saw what a interesting and different teacher you were. Because it's not about the textbook, it's not about the approved curriculum, mm -hmm. it's about uh, talking with kids and, and putting subjects in front of them that causes them to think. Mm -hmm. And then you want them to talk and express themselves. And if they get controversial, you're fine with it, right? But you want them to defend it. Right. And I think, I've never said this to you, I want to get your reaction. I think you deliberately went out of your way to be a little provocative, maybe to draw them out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, in the last X number of years with, with, uh, the political structure, yeah, and and, and then the beginning of COVID, uh, people were very dogmatic. Oh yeah. kids got to be very dogmatic. They hear it. Gumbo? Yeah, thank you. Gumbo, thank and, you. And they heard it all the time from their parents. Right. So it was hard for them to be neutral. And I can't even imagine. I know what it was like teaching government and psychology during the whole pandemic. Can you imagine going from the pandemic to a war footing? Oh my gosh. And I, and I had about four conversations, by the way, in the last five days with people from Germany. And it's amazing how, how much affecting that, that, that is on their life because they were able to be isolationists and not worry about that kind of thing for, uh, for the, most of the people's lives and how their grandparents lived during World War II. And now, all of a sudden, with Germany stepping things up, they're really freaking out. Because you're talking about the war in the Ukraine. Right, exactly. It's in all of our living rooms now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so after the first couple of times it came around to your room, I loved coming around. Mm -hmm. Just because the, the conversations were always so interesting. And you were also confident enough of a teacher that you didn't mind engaging me. Right, right. I wasn't the admin in the room. I was someone who had a perspective right. that you could tap into. And you got me to talk about all kinds of oh, things. Oh, definitely. The, the whole torture thing. Yeah. You know, for the people who are listening, I mean, you know, Ben had been involved as interrogator in the Army. And so, but he was involved in the torture part of it. <laughs> I should say the physical torture part right. of it, right? So that was fascinating too. And that was at the time when that was big news and a lot of controversy in different positions. So I think it's a testament to you that you got a principal to come in and talk about something that could potentially be controversial for me in my position as principal. Right. To come in and talk about interrogation, interrogation tactics and my views on torture. Right. There could be blowback, you know. Yeah, and um, and I appreciate the fact that you heard me on the, you know, that I'm a hands off. I was a hands off interrogator, right. and I thought, you know, interrogators that touch sources were weak interrogators. Right. But that 
the mental part of it was definitely warfare. When they surrender their gun, the fight's not over, and there's now the mental, psychological part. So that was interesting. But mm -hmm. I always enjoyed coming by your class, looking at the posters, the campaign posters, and the mm -hmm. and the us making fun of ourselves posters yeah. with yeah, that's a whole story in itself. With with, with what, what were what were some of the good ones? Well, there was you running and the superintendent running away from the mad parents. Yeah. I like that one. And there was something about pencils in that one, right? Yeah. Like breaking. But you know, Dr. Matthews said something about breaking pencils once and the kid, I don't remember what it was. Well, I'll tell you, you know, not to segue into what this discussion's about, but I haven't taught, which you haven't mentioned yet, in the last year. Yep. And so I'm kind of retired from teaching. Yeah. And I really miss it for two reasons. One, I miss the interaction with, with the students, with yeah. young people. And secondly, you have to be thoughtful when you're teaching and, yeah. and, and stay current. As a government teacher, for, you definitely have to stay current. And that's been a bit of a, 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 a letdown to, uh, you know, and if you try to, you've got to have conversations with kids, they haven't made up their mind yet. You know, they hear mother and father talk. But if all you end up talking to is adults, they know how they feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's been a, a miss right there. So you were you were full time in the classroom, and you were and are heavily involved in basketball mm -hmm. outside the classroom, outside the school. Right. You coach in the uh, West Coast Elite program. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of one on one training for athletes. Right. Uh, you. I like the term, you work them out, yeah. right? And not, not only do you do it here in Southern California, but you do it all over the country, all over the world. Yeah. And when, when, whenever somebody asks me about you, I always characterize it the same way. I go, here's typical Glenn. <laughs> Glenn, what are you doing for spring break? I'm going to Israel. <laughs> yeah. What? How are you going to Israel? Well, I'm gonna fly over and work a kid out and I'm gonna stay with his family yeah. And they're gonna, you know, show me around Israel, and we eat some good food, meet some good people, and mm -hmm. right, and and so that that's such a thing that's unique to you that you're always going somewhere to work a kid out because that's your passion. Yeah. But then you're seeing these great places and meeting right. these great people, and you know, I tease you, I, I, I've teased you, and I, I and I'll say it here. For public consumption, <laughs> I always say to you, "You're a next-level mooch. <laughs> you're really good at it." Where are you going, Glenn? I'm going to Israel. I'm going to work a kid out. I'm going to stay with the family. We're going to go yeah. eat good food. Like, and you have a ton of friends yeah. all over the world. And what's happening now? For instance, when I went back to Boston over spring break mm -hmm. or over ski week. Um, there were three players there that I saw. Yeah. All three, by the way, took me out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, You're and, so good at that. But but they what they appreciated was the fact that I I spent the, I spent my money to fly back and see yeah. him. Sure. One kid, Fletcher, was a senior. I hadn't seen him play college, and I promised him I'd see him play. Yeah. So I hustled back there to see him just so I could say I saw him play, and he really appreciated that. Yeah, you're good at that. Yeah, and so every, it's important to him. And and everywhere we go, the people know you there. 
So you and I went to um, one of the arenas to watch an NC2A game mm -hmm. in Anaheim. We Honda went. Center. Honda Center. And uh, we're standing there in line, and McKnight from Modern Day yep. brings his players over to meet you. The, the winningest high school coach in yep. California felt it important to bring his players over and go, hey guys, I want you to meet this guy. You need to know this guy. And honestly, Glenn, I don't think people know that about you. Mm -hmm. And I also think you're one of the most misunderstood people I've ever worked with. <laughs> we've had conversations, we've had debates, we've had interventions. Yes. Or yes. you've had to have interventions with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm spun out. And, and anyway, the car, we spent a lot of time talking in the car. But, you know, we were talking about you as a teacher and, and uh, how, how good you are in the classroom and just the type of teacher that's not so focused on uh, uh, the approved standardized curriculum that has to be in by these dates. And we're going to talk about real things. I'm going to get you to think and talk and, and, and take a side and defend yourself. And mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. What, what is it? Maybe I just said what it is. But what is it about teaching that you love so much well you know I, I I think not to be overly dramatic we do live in a democracy we live in a, in a, in a society where people make judgments they make judgments every day they adult like decisions and, and 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 how they treat people and and when they vote and and how they how they work with you and service your interests when they work when you go to their store or to their to their doctor's office and I think Teaching that critical thinking and decision making um, is vital, and when you teach a class like government, they have to articulate ideas and decide how they want to vote in a democracy. You know. Yeah. And when you teach a class like psychology, they're going to be raising the kids, and they're going to be they're going to be people that are going to be next door to you in a crisis. And 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 that was before we even had the pandemic, where people had a lot of choices to make. Um, but earlier you you said to me, you know. It seemed like you were that devil's advocate, that person that told them the truth, yeah. that person that students try to avoid, and 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 and, and how has that worked out? And I and I started to say that I think it's it's made even worse by a population of young teachers that tend to be very saccharine, very careful, uh, and I think this effort, especially after the pandemic, with, to provide a safe, comfortable uh, situation for them. I remember our superintendent said. When that was coming out, that we, we wanted more of a creative anxiety with a concern for them. And I think the pandemic has knocked that out the, out the window. Now we don't even want a creative anxiety. We don't want to anxious at all. Yeah. And I think what we're doing is we're having a safety, you know, literally the safe room. It's a safe school. And then they leave that environment and they go to try to go to a UC system where they're cutting back on a number of kids they can get in, you know, and, 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 and jobs have 100 applicants. And, and, and so they have family, they marry somebody who's got family in, in the Ukraine and they got to deal with those real life problems. And they're not equipped to compete. No. And I think the, the veteran teachers that are the more tell the truth, creative anxiety, 
put kids under in a, in a competitive situation. Get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, that's another reason. Matter of fact, it was interesting. Uh, one of our teachers today was saying they went to a conference, and the conference they were saying there's a lot of teachers retiring and leaving the field because they were worn down by what happened in the last two years, the Zoom teaching. They let kids take things over. To I'm sorry, I can't take the test today. I need to go to the safe room. These things are driving teachers out of the field. And we're getting a brain drain, uh, and, and there's no institutional history because the veterans are saying that's it. I'm out of here, and of course, in that sense, they're retiring even earlier than they should or could, for emotional reasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you. So you're in the classroom and you're teaching and you're loving what you do. We've talked all, all through that. And then uh, the district opened up and allowed for an AD. And we had Don Morrow yeah. who did it uh, right out of the box. And then when uh, Don was done doing it, you know, I came to you and asked you to do it. Yeah. And uh, your only ask really was I have to stay in the classroom yep and I thought that was cool because there was your opportunity to go out of the classroom and do something else entirely and you were willing to do that but you wanted to be in the classroom too what's why why did you feel that way well I remember when I was at a wedding of one of my former student athletes that I had and this young man was in his late 20s and the father referred to somebody when he introduced me as Mark's teacher. Now, Mark had graduated San Diego State. He played football there. Uh, we had a pretty good job in, our, in Orange County in business. And this person said, wait a minute, I, I didn't know you were still going to school. And, and the father said, well, he's not. So he was his teacher. And then Mark jumps in and says, no, he is my teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. So to me, that's what you do. You know, you're a teacher, you're a mentor, you're, and these kids need that. And, and, you know, I've tried to do some things as athletic director with the leadership conference and the work I do with the baseball team on performance psychology, where I'm still teaching. But uh, that's why I wanted to keep that foot in that door. So in a sense, when the district said you either could be a full-time teacher or full-time AD, and I opted for full-time AD, I retired from yeah. teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, which isn't necessarily the case, but that was certainly how it felt to you. Yes. Yeah. Well, now you're how how long you been how long you been in the business? Well, you know, I I got some numbers, thirty eight point nine years, uh, turning seventy one at the end of the school year. Okay, and so it's got to be on your mind, right? Yeah. And, and what, what do you think about? What's the debate you have with yourself? How's the debate go? Well, the, the way the debate goes, along with what you'd spoken of when I listened to your podcast before, is those people who have a, a, afraid of retiring have something. It's, it's usually one thing. Um, and one of the things that was mentioned was, it was two things. One, that you'll lose your importance yeah you know I, I when I teach a whole unit on, on on you know senior citizens one of the things that that I think gets them to give up is they have no importance 
they're almost a use, you know, the, the, the nuisance. Yeah. And, and so you want to have significance. And when you're retired in your mind, you won't have any place to go and do, and you won't have any significance. And that's the fear that you have, especially when you've had a very vibrant job. Now, of course, you know, if you have a vibrant job, it's wearing on you. Yeah. And, and when you get older, you're 70 years old, you figure, how much longer do I want to, this to affect my health? Yeah. So you want to have a job where you don't have this much pressure. You know, that, that when you look and see the presidents, you see the pictures of Obama and, and, the, and, and all of the presidents before they became president. And within three years, they're all gray. Yeah, the famous one is Lincoln. How he just looked awful at the end. Oh. You know? Yeah, I hear you. And what? So you said it was two things. One is the, f- the importance. Yeah, the, the, the idea of importance. And 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 then having something to do, you know, having a, having something to get up to do. Um, is that would you characterize that as having a purpose? Yes. Okay. But but it's beyond that. It's like, you know, yeah, you have a purpose. You have you have a place to go and something to do, um, and you're not as bored. And and I realize that that people you talk to who have retired seem to feel that it's always something that they're going to do that day. They, some of them don't. One of them told me that the thing about retirement is every day feels like a Saturday. Yes. That's my catchphrase. When people say, How, how's retirement going? Every day Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so those are my two things. One, that I um, have, a, have a fear of not doing something that's a vital, important thing. And two, that I don't have something to do, that I end up being bored and Wish I had a place to go and a place to be at. Well, there's nothing about you in the time that I've known you that would lead me to believe that you're going to be sedentary. I, I don't see you as, you know, sitting around the house. No. Because it's not how you live now. Mm-mm. And when you have, when you have time to yourself, and you know you're single. Mm-hmm. Right, and you have time to yourself. You really have time to yourself. <laughs> you're riding your bike, right. or you're sitting on the beach in your chair, mm-hmm. or you're uh, taking a walk on the strand. Like you're on the move. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, personally, I don't see that changing. But if you were to step away from the public school life, you would still do your basketball, right? right? And what 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 all could you do there? Well. It actually makes a lot of sense to me. I, I tell you what's made this easier for me is the pandemic. Because, for instance, when I was AD of 35 sports that couldn't play, <laughs> <laughs> and I had Zoom classes in the mornings, then I got up, had something to do, constructively, you know, working with kids teaching. In the morning, I had lunch or I went on a bike ride, I had lunch, and there wasn't anything to do in the afternoon, so I found myself taking two-hour bike rides, watching the sunset, and going up in the evening. So in a way, it makes a lot of sense for me to do something where I get up in the morning, I exercise, I read the paper, and then maybe I go over to a USC or some college, and I do some some work with the players in the afternoon. Um, So it actually, appeals to me that because I've gotten used to having a a narrow window of work that I do in the morning 
uh, that's probably what I'll end up doing. Um, even now with the flex schedule I have, I go in the morning, usually around 8 o'clock on time. I leave by noon, do the work that I have to do for the AD job. And then I go take an hour bike ride or something and eat lunch. And you know, much of the time I come back to school for a couple hours. For games. And yeah, exactly. so I don't really need to look for something that's going to occupy me eight hours a day. And you can relate to that yourself. Mm-hmm. You just have to place to go and something to do. And, and you're going to keep up with your travel. Yes. But, you know, there are you... <laughs> I travel on occasion during holidays. If I'm totally retired, I'm going to find myself traveling a lot more than that, which yeah. which I can do, but it'll be quite costly. But, yeah, that fear of not being significant, I think, comes to people who've had jobs that were very dynamic. Um, and it could be an ego thing that you have a position of. It's like Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. I mean, when he left the White House, he just went off the deep end. Yeah. Uh, a lot of athletes that were dynamic athletes, when they retire, I mean, that's why a lot of those people commit suicide and things. They have no importance anymore. Yeah. And you and I had talked previously about, and we talked in your blog about how you know, you're worried about not being important when you've had that kind of position. Um, and it's good and it's good and bad with that because you you also have people hating on you or wanting to see you fired because you're important or out of the office of president or whatever your title is and that wears on you but then it's also the good things you can do so so those would be the two things is the lack of something to do and the lack of feeling important uh our friend patty mm-hmm. uh said to me there's really only two considerations when you retire. The retirement check and the insurance. Like, if those two things match up for you, it's, it's time to retire. Do you agree with that? Well, you know, it depends on who you are and if you have, you know, children and, and you have an alimony payment. I mean, I mean, a lot of the financial stuff depends on who you're relying on. Like even talk to me about what to do with the supplemental income and how many years I, I spend it over. I said, look, you know, I, if I'm 70 years old, I want to stay healthy and enjoy my lifestyle in the years that I, I am a healthy person. So I think that really depends on what you have backing that up. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people on a, on a, on a fixed income who, who if, if, they, if, if, they, if something happens to them, they're worried about that and, and they stop working for the school district and they keep subbing because they, why, why do people, see this is a great question. Why do we see these people keep subbing? And I think it's because they're bored mm-hmm. and they have to have something to do. You, right. you mentioned somebody who we spoke to about earlier, we both know, I think she misses having something to do. Yeah. And, and so that's interesting. Um, it's not just the financial part. Um, and it depends on how you invest it. Like, like I made a decision when I took the AD job and I was making extra money. I put a lot of money for me, you know, in the bank along with my retirement, which I didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and if I didn't have that, you know, over $100,000 in the bank 10 years ago and I retired, I'd only be making my pension. I wouldn't have any money in the bank. Yeah. So that matters. So if you have, if you have some more money in the bank, then you really... Have a totally different attitude. Like I say to people, it makes no sense for me financially not to retire. And I also say to catch myself, I'm not going to retire 
I'm going to stop working for the public school system in California. There you go. And then you do these other things. Yeah. Which, which by the way, is what you want to do. You know, I talked to Neil. Right. And this fire movement. And their whole lifestyle is I'd make just enough money to live the life I want to live and do the things I really want to do. Mm. You know, and now, in a sense, you're doing that. But you see, or would be doing. If that. you remember this quote from Henry Meyer, my friend Henry Meyer, uh, and he retired from Price Waterhouse at 42. Yeah. But but put so much money away in investments that he had go to hell money, <laughs> and and to me the go to hell money that I got wasn't only the pension, but also the extra money you have in the bank. Right. So if you don't have some payments you have to make and, and, and things, you actually have go to hell money. Go to hell. You know, if you don't like it, I'll leave. Yeah. I don't have to do this. And I think that's a healthy approach. And the, and the people in the fire movement, I think that's what they want. They want to have enough investments so they can do what they want to do when they retire. It's, it's the ideal thing to do. And the, the only thing that scares some of us is what happened to my dad, which was when he finally would have enough, a little bit of money to be able to live in Palm Springs and retire nicely. He ends up getting terminal cancer. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to keep working to the point where you can do that and then not, not be healthy enough and to enjoy. And not be able it, to yeah. be healthy enough to enjoy what you worked all these years to. So that's still yeah. another reason for yeah. someone like myself to retire. When I have the health to be able to go to travel here and do this, do what I want to do. Because I guess some people, because of health, they end up having to stop working because they, you know, and then they're sitting in, a, in some and they can't travel. Yeah, and they so can't travel. And, up and, yeah. But they have all this money that they saved, and which in some cases, if you go in an old age home, they take all that money from you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They're going to get theirs, right? They do. They just take it. So on the way out here, the gate attendant asked me if I needed assistance getting on the plane. I <laughs> know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I looked like... An elderly person who needed help, Glenn. It started with me when the people called me sir. <laughs> and the other thing I was starting to tell you is, um, when I went back to Boston, uh, all three players that I've trained when they were younger, um, one is now coaching at Northeastern mm -hmm. and about to get married. Another one is graduating college right now. And a third is in his second year of college. But more and more when I'm talking to people, some of the players I've taught, you know, students I taught and coaches and players I've, I've coached are now getting older, which happens when you're older. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but the good part about that is you end up getting together with them in their adult years. And uh, that's, that's, that's fascinating to me. All the things that you remember when you were the 25-year-old teacher hearing the old people talk about. Yeah. You know, I always smile at myself when, when I want to say the same things. <laughs> And that's that's what I'm experiencing. But yeah, that 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 that, and I'm and I think about it every day now, um, because now that I don't have to think about the financial part because I figured that out. Um, and that is, uh, I also thought I would use these spring months to start thinking about what I would do next. Yeah. But I also realized that I could stop working for the district in June, and as you're talking about keep thinking about what I want to do next until I do it next either way yeah but I don't I don't think you're the kind of guy that's gonna do nothing no you know? 
And, and I think you already have those things, you know, with the work you do with West Coast Elite, with right. the work you do and uh, working out and training players and mm-hmm. being like a player development guy. And, you know, you know everybody. Everybody knows you. I've been around. Every place we go, yeah. somebody there that uh, somebody there uh, of a at a high level knows you and comes up and says hi to you. I mean, you know everybody. So I wonder how many people who are listening have heard the expression: "The best way to look for a job is when you don't need one." <laughs> and so, if you retire and you have a you know satisfactory income, and something comes up, you look for it, you apply for it, you talk to somebody about it, but you don't need to do it. No. And I think that's another plus is that you can just, so I'm, what I'm starting to do right now is plant some seeds with people that you mentioned that club that I work with. I said to them, I said, look, you know, I might retire from the district and next year I might come over a couple of times a week or for three hours a day, put together professional uh, development for your coaches, um, put together something which I think is really needed now and that is some more mental preparation for social and emotional for athletes. I mean, there's some, we just had an athlete from Stanford commit, you know, had, so, you know self-induced death. I mean, it's, kids, people are killing themselves and they're athletes, famous athletes. So I think, I think you have to stay ahead of things and, and look for a niche that you can get into as a retired person. And look at all the people we know who did that. They start painting yeah, yeah. Or, or what you're doing and they end up going into phase three. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's a good way to look at it. So you feel important and you feel you have freedom. I think that's important. If, if retirement had a superpower, it's the ability to say no. Yes. And either it doesn't have implications or you don't care what the implications are. Like, hey, you know, we'd really like you to help out. Do this other thing. <laughs> nah, I don't think I'll do that. Yeah, but you have to have that financial support and background. Well, that's the hell no money, right? That's, that's, it, a, yeah. that, that's, that's what fuels the superpower. Right. But. And, and, and I think in teaching, I think one of the good things about it, if you did, if you did last the years, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, get, you, you, know, you get a pretty good pension. And I think, I think that's a good thing. Oh, it is a good thing, and it's much deserved. So we have to do the, reaching in the back of the back, the back seat here, we got to do the last portion of our program. I have, uh, I've got hatch green chili hot sauce. Oh, great. And I've got prickly pear cactus jelly. Oh. So at the end of every show, we have our guest say where they're at. Do you, do you want hatch green chili hot sauce or prickly pear cactus jelly? You want the hot sauce? Okay. Yes. All right. I, I was just, just making some fish the other day, and I was talking about this mango hot sauce that I have, and it's about this much left. <laughs> so you saw my reaction the first time I saw that. I, I jumped at that. Yeah, so those are hatch green chili hot sauce. There you go. So now when you go to New Mexico, you get asked, are you red or green? Oh, so okay. So are you red chili or green chili? I say green. So now, yeah, yeah I, I say I, me and green chili, we go way back. Okay. All right. And now, thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement.